Hello, and welcome to Dialogue in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. This is Jonathan Cantor, Editor of JAD International. JAD International, a new open access companion journal in the JAD family, publishes globally oriented articles that aim to advance the understanding and practice of dermatology. To further highlight the important clinical and translational research studies featured in the journal, Dialogues in Dermatology will present a new series of podcasts with the authors of some of these articles. This series will aim to provide yet another forum for the international exchange of ideas that makes dermatology such a vibrant specialty. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Dr. Elisa Gallo for Dialogues in Dermatology, and today we're going to be interviewing Dr. Hao Ye Li from Singapore General Hospital, where he is the chairman of dermatology. Dr. Lee, welcome. Hi. Today we're going to be speaking about Dr. Lee's recent article in JAD International, Acute Generalized Eczematous Pustulosis. We will be discussing the epidemiology as well as the clinical course and treatment outcomes of patients treated in an Asian academic medical center. Thank you for joining us tonight, Dr. Lee. Thank you, Dr. Gallup, for the invitation. It's uh, both a privilege and an honor um, to be on this podcast. Good. Well, why don't we start with a little bit of a background for our general audience on what is acute generalized eczematous pestulosis and what are some of the common causes of it? So acute generalized eczematous pustulosis, or commonly known as AGEP, it's a severe cutaneous adverse reaction. And this is often lumped together with the other severe cutaneous adverse reactions, such as dress, which is drug rash, eosinophilia, systemic symptoms, as well as even Johnson syndrome, toxic epidermal necrolysis. All three conditions are typically caused by medications and you're categorized as severe adverse reactions because most of them are associated with significant morbidity and mortality. I see in your paper that you said that 93% of the cases you identified were drug-associated. What were the other 7%? For the 7%, we couldn't find a trigger. And we've evaluated a drug history. We have done some basic microbiological investigations, but we were not able to, to get any, identify any other potential triggers. And I think it's also what is seen in the literature. There's probably a small proportion of, of cases that are idiopathic. Okay. Now for our audience's sake, let's just talk a little bit about your methods Tell us how you came up with this idea to look at AGEP specifically and what was the period of time and at what location were you doing this study? One of the reasons why we started this study was that, you know, even though AGEP and SGST and, and DRESS are often considered severe cutaneous adverse reactions, this part of our observations that patients with AGEP really do a lot better, even though when they present, they present with a, with a dramatic presentation of fever, extensive rash with multiple pinpoint pustules. So I think that was really the rationale why we wanted to study. We wanted to evaluate 
if Egypt was truly a, a severe reaction. And the secondary aim was to, to see if there was an ideal treatment for, for Egypt. Because if we went through the literature, a lot of patients were treated with systemic corticosteroids, but there was also a significant group who were just treated with potent topical corticosteroids. Okay, and we'll discuss that in a few minutes, what the results of that were. But can you tell us what was the period of time in which you looked and at how many cases did you analyze? Okay. So what we did, we over a 10-year period from 2009 to 2018, we retrospectively reviewed cases that were coded in the EMR as AJAP. So we found a total of 52 cases during that period. Then these 52 cases were then re-evaluated using the Euroscar, Euroscar criteria. And then we would then grade them as definite cases, probable cases, or possible cases. And only the probable and definite cases were, were added for analysis. So all in all, there were a total of 43 cases that were analyzed. And as you said earlier, the most frequent cause of AGIP is a drug such as an antibiotic. What were the most common antibiotics that you saw causing AGIP in this case? So I think our findings are very similar to what has been reported in literature. Antibiotics were the most common, and the majority of them were the penicillins and the beta-lactams, uh, other beta-lactams such as uh, cephalosporins. Systemic involvement was reported in 13.9% of your patients. Did you treat these patients significantly differently than your patients that did not have systemic involvement? For these patients with systemic involvement, I think, first of all, the systemic involvement were not very severe. Most of them were just mildly elevation in the uh, liver enzymes, and we never saw any cases that were in fulminant liver or kidney failure requiring either dialysis or transplant. So for most of these cases, we've sort of treated them expectantly. And it was really the, the skin condition that directed the treatment modality. How many of the patients were treated with systemic steroids? A total of nine patients were treated with uh, systemic steroids. And 34 were treated with topical corticosteroids. Let's delve into that a little bit further. Can you tell us what the findings were between the two groups? So when we looked at these two groups, I think, first of all, the numbers were not very big. And in both groups, we only had nine cases in the systemic corticosteroid group and 34 in the other group. But just on the analysis, because mortality was so low, there was no difference between both groups. Secondly, if we treat it with systemic corticosteroids, the length of hospitalization appeared to be shorter, six days, compared to 10 days if we were just treating the patients with topical steroids. Very interesting. Thank you for that. At this point, would you like to tell us a little bit more about what you found specifically 
in terms of the cases at your hospital? Yeah. So I think the, the data from our hospital is very similar to what has been described in other parts of Asia and Europe and America, where we had a group of patients with AGEP, and most of them were due to medications, and beta-lactam medications were the most common cause for the reaction. Mortality is, is, is low, so really the choice between corticosteroids, be it topicals or systemic, would probably not affect mortality outcomes. However, if we chose to use systemic corticosteroids, we might be able to shorten the duration of disease because in, in our data, we, it was shown that in patients who were treated with systemic steroids, their length of stay was shorter. Mm -hmm. Let's discuss some of the patient characteristics. You said you had 43 cases. What was the mean age of the patients? Um, most of them, they were slightly older. The mean age was about 60 years old, 62 to be exact. The male and female were, were quite well divided. About 51% of them were female. And in line with our ethnic uh, composition in Singapore, 70% of them were Chinese, about 15% were Malays, and, and then we have a, about 10 or 11% of, of Indians and other ethnicities. Mm -hmm. And associated comorbid medical conditions. Yeah, um, because we are a sort of an academic medical center, I think there is a certain element of referral bias our patients tended to be older. They tended to have multiple comorbidities. And therefore, we saw in our, in our cohort of patients a significant proportion of cardiovascular and other comorbidities. So, for example, more than about 50% of them had hypertension, dyslipidemia. Chronic disease occurred in about 30%. Diabetes in 20%. Ischemic heart disease, about 15% and 20% or so had neurological diseases as well. When you looked at your patients with diabetes, did that seem to affect the decision whether or not to use systemic versus topical steroids? This was a retrospective study, so we are unclear as to why certain physicians would have chosen a certain modality of treatment, but we can imagine that the extent extent of sugar control or the severity of diabetes might have influenced the decision to initiate systemic or corticosteroids. Similarly, I think the extent or the presence of systemic involvement may have also influenced some physicians to initiate systemic corticosteroids. In the case where there was systemic involvement, did you look at how long those serum elevations persisted? such as the ALT, um, I'll, I'll let you explain further. So what we did, we routinely followed them up in the outpatients until they normalized. All of them normalized, but we didn't actually capture the data, uh, time to resolution in this study. We've discussed several 
treatment and clinical outcomes here. What type of topical therapy was assessed? What class of steroids were used? And did that vary in terms of the results seen, how quickly the patients resolved? Um, yeah, so I, I think they, they would probably influence the time to resolution. But the problem is we didn't quite have a protocol to decide the potency of topical steroids. But having said that, most of them would have been either a potent or ultra-potent topical steroids. So that would be either betamethasone valerate 0.1% or cobetasol propionate. And I think that might have been sufficient for the majority of patients. I found it interesting that one patient was treated with calamine lotion only. Yeah. So I think that, that's, that's the, the interesting part. And I think this really tells us that this condition is, is self-limiting on its own. And whatever intervention that we do might shorten that but I think we need to balance with, you know, the potential toxicity of treatment. That's a very good point. Uh, I'm curious, did you see how long that patient's course ran? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. But I, you know, but I, I think prospectively, I think what is needed in the, in the literature is really for us to, to chart the true natural history of AGEP. I think we all know that most of these cases resolve by 14 days, but I think it would be really nice to know what is the mean duration of disease and how various treatment shorten this duration. And that might probably inform us better of uh, therapeutic decisions. Well, thank you for that. Further in your discussion section, you said that part of a significant drug cause of AGEP was vancomycin. Why do you think we're seeing so much of an increase in AGEP related to vancomycin? I think with all of these drug reactions, a lot of the incidents and the epidemiology really is dependent on prescription practices and indications. And over time, they shift. And I think there was a fairly recent paper that came out of JET where vancomycin was identified as one of the leading causes of, of dress in the United States. And I think a part of it is due to the emergence of uh, methicillin-resistant staph aureus. And I think that this is a global problem. Similarly, in Singapore, I think we have needed to, to use uh, vancomycin more frequently. And I think that the, the more they are used, the more likely we're going to see adverse reactions uh, resulting from them. I found it interesting that you also identified a contrast agent as a possible cause of AGEP, and yet this was not, has not been reported in other studies with the exception of a Korean study. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I think this is something that I think something that we need to keep an eye on because causality contrast agent is, is often not suspected because, you know, it may not be seen in the prescription records of the patient. So it's, it may be something that physicians or the patient may not have been aware of. 
Secondly, you know, contrast me is a once-off event. And because it's unlike traditional medications where you're given every day, this, because it's given once-off, again, this may reduce the likelihood of this being suspected by physicians and patients. It's an excellent point. Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about the two distinct patterns of latency that we're seeing, the short latency in antibiotic-related agept and the longer latency for non-antibiotic-associated agept? I know the reasons for this remain unclear, as you stated in your paper, but do you have any insight that you might be willing to share with the audience as to why that might be? And that's an interesting point that you made in the paper. Yeah, so you know, this has been a fairly universal observation that we see across different cohorts, both in in Asia and and in Europe, that those patients with antibiotic-associated agents tended to have a shorter latency. In the European paper, it was as short as 24 hours, whereas ours was slightly longer at four days, but this was still shorter than the latencies of of other non-antibiotic medications. There are a few postulates, but I think the one that most of us tend to suspect is that, you know, in antibiotics, patients tend to have received multiple causes, and these may have been short causes, and this may have resulted in the sensitization to the patient. And because of this sensitization, therefore, the latency might have been shorter. But I I think this is just a postulate. We are not sure. And I'm also aware that there are probable cases of AGEP where it happens within 24 hours and the patient and the physician is very certain that this is the first time that the, the patient has received the antibiotic. So I think this explanation, um, though logical, uh, may not explain for, for every case. Mm-hmm. Well, we are coming to the end of our session. So in summary, would you like to give us a general overview of the paper and the take-home points that you'd like dermatologists around the world to know from this study? Thanks, Dr. Gallus. So I think the summary would be this, that uh, acute generalized exantemated postulosis is really a self-limited cutaneous adverse drug reaction. We didn't see any mortality that is attributed to, to AGEP, and the choice of systemic and topical corticosteroids really didn't make any difference because there was no mortality difference, but systemic corticosteroids may reduce the length of hospital stay, um, but we would need to balance the choice of treatment with the potential adverse uh, effects of treatment. Okay, well, we thank you for joining us today and congratulations on your publication. And thank you for enlightening our audience. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts, 
We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.